they would recognize me, they would pay my way. I thought, I don't want anybody recognizing me because I'm by myself in this restaurant. So I tried to get off, but that lake was there. I could not get off. I was a little bit disappointed. I thought, okay, I'm going to praise God anyhow. I was just again praising God in good times, bad times, hard times, excellent times, because God dwells in the praise of our people. As I drove a few more miles, I saw another Chili's. I thought, I'm going to make sure I get off on this exit. I got off on that exit. I get closer to Chili's restaurant, and the receptionist opens the door. She said, ma'am, are you familiar with this Chili's? I said, not with this Chili's, but with other Chili's restaurant. She said, ma'am, you see this great sign on the top of this building? I said, yes. It says the grand opening. She said, everything today you order on the menu is on the restaurant free. I said, you are kidding me. He said, no. And God spoke to my heart. My dear daughter, Anush, how did I do? I said, daddy God, you're the best daddy God in the whole wide world. And of course, I got there. I ordered my chicken explosion fajita salad. I ordered a nice sweet iced tea with a lemon in there. I ordered at the end a big chocolate mocha cake with a big cherry on the top of that. I thought, thank you, Daddy God. Afterward, I went to the restaurant. I washed my hands. Two waitress came. I said, let me tell you what happened. I gave testimony. After I got in my car, I got the pastor I had just spoken. Who has many kids. I said, guess what, pastor? Get all of your clan, all the kids, and go to Chili's because everything on Chili's is on the restaurant today. That's the kind of mighty God you and me serve. Not only God can heal cancers, God is interested in every detail in our lives. And you sit down, when you stand up, even in Chili's that you know, that was my desire that day. God is a good dog. He loves you. And it is worth of honor, great honor, to worship God in this great church. We love you, pastors, again. It's an honor to be here in this great church. If you love Jesus, give the praise offering this house this morning. Well, good morning, everyone. How many preachers and teachers and evangelists or missionaries do we have in the house this morning? Raise your hand up real high. Anybody want to come follow her? Anybody at all? Do I have any volunteers? <laughs> yeah. You try it. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you this morning. It's good to see you this morning. God bless you. Thank you for allowing us to come back and being a part of of what I believe is a really good, stable, strong church. How many have your Bibles with you this morning? Let me see them. I want to see your Bible. If you have your Bible, iPad, green pad, brown pad, black pad, whatever you've got. I don't have one of those pads. That's a hint. Christmas is coming up, my birthday. Um, If you have uh, something that has the Bible on it, turn with me, if you would, please, to the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 7. I'm going to do something I have never done in a church service in all the years that I've been speaking. And um, I believe that uh, it's going to lead us in a direction and bring us some confidence and hope in the Word of God, maybe in a way that we've never thought of it before or seen it before. Have you ever run across somebody, um, either a Christian that goes to a particular denomination, 
or just somebody in general that you're talking to about the Scriptures. And I've heard it said, I've had people tell me, really, probably a dozen or more, well, I understand this Jesus thing, but I just don't see him in the Old Testament. Well, Jesus is in the Old Testament. He is there, and once you read it and pray and seek the Lord, God will give you a download about the revelation that Jesus is in every single chapter of the Old Testament in one way or another. And isn't that true for us today, that there are things that we might be going through that we too are wondering in our lives, in our chapters of our lives, the chapters of debt, the chapters of doubt, the chapters of fear, maybe a chapter of anxiety, maybe a chapter of depression, maybe a chapter of sickness. Maybe you're having a chapter right now I'll call the chapter of limitation. Maybe in some way your faith seems limited to you. Maybe in some way, maybe even God might seem limited to you. But I assure you that just like those folks that can't find Jesus in the Old Testament, Jesus is not very far from you right now. Can I get an amen in God's house? Well, let's look, shall we, in the Old Testament, at least in a couple of places, where we see Jesus that I think is fairly plain once you read the Scripture and ask God to illuminate that Scripture. Turn with, uh, turn with me, excuse me, stand with me, if you will, for a moment, and turn to chapter 7 of the book of Exodus. Now, we're going to read 13 verses. I know for some of you that's a long, long uh, portion of Scripture to read, but it's important to read all 13. Exodus chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. So the Lord said to Moses, and this very first verse is probably the the concrete, if you would, the doorpost or the hinges in which the door of this message is going to, to, to hinge or hinge upon. So the Lord says to Moses, and he's saying to Moses, basically, pay close attention. I have made you as God to Pharaoh. I have made you. I'm going to put it in the mind of Pharaoh that you're a God. Not God, God, but like a God. The Hebrew term here is literally an idol that ends all that ends all. It would be the premier idol then or today, India, anywhere in the world that people worship idols. There's one idol. There's one God. There's one deity that they worship that is above all to us. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the strong son of the living God. Amen? So God said to Moses, basically, look, you don't have to fear or worry about this situation. I'm sending you in into the throne room of Pharaoh, but I'm creating within his mind that you and Aaron, but you in particular, are like a God. Let's read on. Verse 2, you shall speak all that I command you. And Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of the land. So Aaron was called to be the prophet of this deity, Moses, or God, to Pharaoh. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Now, remember the New Testament. 
the book of Acts tells us, speaks about the signs and wonders that the disciples did. Here, signs and wonders originated in the Old Testament. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may bring or lay my hand upon Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel. Now listen to this, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. Listen, then and now, anybody that touches Israel, the apple of God's eye, will be taken care of in the last days by God Almighty. They will be judged by a judgment that is beyond anything you'll find in the Old Testament and the New Testament. When you touch Israel, you touch God's people, even today in the church and church, you touch the leadership. If they're not deserving to be touched, so to speak, there's going to be a great judgment. Well, let's move on very quickly. Verse 5. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Say that with me. I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand on Egypt, and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Then Moses and Aaron did so. Just as the Lord commanded them, that's obedience. They did exactly to a T what God told them to do. And so they did. And Moses was how old? 80 years old. And Aaron was how old? So how much older was Aaron than Moses? Very good. A plus. Incredible math. When they spoke to Pharaoh. Verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, here's a very good indication that God knows what you're going to say before you say it. Amen? So when Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle, show a sign for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Hey, brother, take your rod, cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. Strange. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and they did so. Just as the Lord commanded. That's interesting. That's repeated three times. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers and the magicians of Egypt. And they did the same thing in like manner with their enchantments. You see these commercials on television, if you call some 900 number and you have all these people going to tell you your uh, future or whatever out in California, don't dial that number, friends. For every man threw down his rod, and they became a serpent. But Aaron's rod, what? Say it with me. Swallowed up, swallowed. Everybody swallow. <laughs> swallowed up their rods. God liked the word swallow so much he made a bird out of that name. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard. And he did not heed them, pay attention to them, even though we saw the signs and wonders. Are you seeing the picture? It's interesting how so many things in the Old Testament, like this story, is a counterpart, if you would, of what's happening in, our, in America today and is about to happen in our land. Even though people, people know there are churches and there are miracles like that story about cancer, somehow people, their eyes are blinded, and they still won't believe in God or serve God. Well, that's so for us. Isn't that true? Turn your neighbor and say, that's not true for me. How about you? Well, let's pray. Amen? Father, thank you for this day. This is the day the Lord has made. We're going we're gonna to ask you, Lord, for some supernatural intervention. Now, Father, you knew before I got here, because I believe you put it in my mind, I want to do a word study on two words, the word rod 
and the word branch so that your people can be reminded again that, Lord, you are always, always in the Scriptures from Genesis 1 to Revelation. And thank you, Lord, that you're the part of the Trinity, the Father, the Godhead, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. Thank you, Father, that every single part of the Trinity is with us this morning in power, in love, in grace, in mercy, in goodness. And we welcome you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus into our presence, and we thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen, amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? I think I really love you in the Lord this morning. Amen. Well, thank you for God's love. Thank you for God's love. Thank you, Pastor Ricky and uh, Sister Pastor Ricky's wife. And uh, for the leadership here for allowing us to come back. We love you folks, and we appreciate it very, very, very much. I have never done, in all the years I've been speaking in churches, now I've done it in Bible schools that I've taught in, but I've never, I've never done a word study in a church. I've taught, I've preached, I've evangelized that style of preaching before because that's what the congregation wanted or the pastor wanted. Conferences galore, um, conferences on leadership, worship, uh, music, uh, I've, I've done all those things over the years, and I've been blessed by it and, and been blessed by God that been able to do that. But this morning, I have felt for some time, I want to do a, a word study. Now, when I went to Bible school and seminary, doing the word studies really, really got my attention. Uh, one of the things I did for seven years, uh, Brother Ricky, that might interest you, and maybe you've done them as well, but I've done word studies on names. Names... Names uh, are exciting to me. Uh, names mean something. They're significant. But this morning, I want to show you and prove to you, not that you don't, you're not aware of it because you're a believer, but I want to show you some hidden gems in, in the Word of God to where Jesus applies to the supernatural and to the miraculous. Generally, when you see him mentioned in the Old Testament, not every case, but most often when you see the name of the Lord, it will always be attached to something in the supernatural. And that's important for us today. Can I get an amen? So here we see the unique story that we're all aware of, that the nation of Israel needed deliverance. And since we don't see Jesus visible in the forefront of this story, he's hiding behind the curtains, ready to be revealed, as he is in all of our lives. And so the nation of Israel are in bondage in Egypt. And they've been crying out to God for help. And so God hears their cries, as he does all of ours. And he's determined a day. Now listen to me. He's determined a day. Say that word with me. A day. He's determined a way. Say the word way with me. And he's, be, and he's determined by whom he will deliver them. Say by whom he will deliver them. I heard part of you. He determined by whom so you have a way that God's going to do something. You have a method by which he's going to do it. And all the ways of God are always supernatural because God is supernatural. Amen. And God wants you and I, when we learn his ways and learn his methods, we are then the Moses and Aaron today that God has, has orchestrated and preordained before time 
to become the people of God for such time as this that God uses. Jesus is behind the scenes, so to speak, because we're the temple of God. And so he resides in our hearts by the spirit of the living God. You get this picture now. So there's an analogy, a typology in the Old Testament of us with Moses and Aaron appearing before Pharaoh, who is a type of the Antichrist, a type of sinner, and that individual that doesn't hear God. So Israel is in bondage. They cry out to God like we would have then, and we cry out today. And God sends two people. Now, you would simply say, as any Bible student would, well, God could have chosen anybody. Yes, he did. Well, he just chose the two most popular people. Well, not so. Moses is not the most popular guy in the block at the time. He killed an Egyptian. He, they hide the body, and he runs around and whatever and pretends like it didn't happen. But God chose him anyway. God will choose us even though we make mistakes. Can somebody go, whew, amen to that? Turn your name and say, I know you've never made a mistake, but I've made one last year. <laughs> so why the significance and why am I pointing out Moses and Aaron? Well, it's obvious that Moses and Aaron was living then, and God did chose Moses to be his mouthpiece, and he chose Aaron to be his prophet. But again, I ask you this, why did he choose Moses and Aaron? Remember, I said to you, names are of the utmost importance, especially Old Testament, but New Testament as well. So let me give it to you this way. The name of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest. Now, according to the book of Revelation, everybody that is a genuine, truly born-again, blood-washed child of the living God you move over in the book of Revelation in three different places, and it will tell you that we are a holy priesthood. We are a royal nation. So Aaron is a type, if you would, a typology of New Testament saints that are called into the priestly kinghood of what? Of the royalage and the lineage of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But here is the interesting thing. Aaron's name literally means one who brings light. One who gives light or one Hebrew translation means light giver or light bearer. Now, say with me, Old Testament, look at me, Old Testament here and New Testament here. Old Testament Aaron, type of Christ, the priestly, the, 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 the whole lineage of Judah and on and on and on, the priesthood, right? Right? On the New Testament book of Revelation, here it says he's the light giver. In the New Testament over here, we are what? Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. We sing that song, you know, kumbaya, so forth and so on. Well, what? Aren't we to be a light on a hill? We're not to hide our gifts or hide our talents or hide the fact that we're born-again believers. We don't hide them in restaurants. We don't hide them when we're witnessing to people. What? So he was a type of light giver. And so is the body of Christ in the New Testament. Are you with me so far? Just shake your head so I know you're still awake. Amen. Well, Moses, though, is interesting. Moses' name in Hebrew is Moshe. His name literally means one who, look up here, pulls out. If, if I were Moses or you were Moses and somebody was down here in a pit, 
they were in a problem, they were in a prison of difficulties, then Moses, the type of Moses would be the type of person that reaches down and pulls them out of a pit. So over in the New Testament, what? Aren't you and I called to be rescuers? Aren't we called as the redeemed the Lord to say so? Let the redeemed the Lord say so. And we do that by witnessing in a restaurant. We tell people about the love of God that are, that are not believers, and we help rescue them out of their pit of problems and their pit of difficulties. Can I get an amen? amen. So God chose two people, Aaron, who means light giver, our giver of light. So in the New Testament, we're the people that are called to give light to a people who are in darkness. That was the job of Jesus or part of the call of Jesus, that he showed light in darkness. Amen? So he chose two men, one who gives light, who illuminates dark places as the Holy Spirit shines lights in our, into our caverns of our hearts, that deep resources, recesses of our heart, that cavernous area of our heart that nobody knows about where the sin is hiding. Jesus comes along with the power of the Holy Spirit and shines a flashlight on and says, where were you at 4 a.m. in the morning on November 13th? Amen? So he chose two people, one who gives light and one who rescues. Listen, it's hard to rescue people without light. You remember those, where, what country was it where all those men and kids were trapped down in the cave? Exactly. And they took lanterns down there. The first guy down there, I think he lost his life, that uh, famous swimmer or scuba diver guy that was in the military or something. So if you're in a cavern, if you're in darkness, you need light to get out. Amen? So he brings two men along that he could trust. If your name means give light, pretty much God can trust you. If you're a guy that's in the business ministry of rescuing people, which is what all, really, which is what pastoring is all about, which is what missionaries is all about, that's what evangelism is all about, then God will send you in the dark places. Everybody wants to go to Hawaii to be a missionary. But God wants to send you the dark places sometimes to rescue people. Now, in verse 1, see, I have made you like God, which means like an, uh, a deity. And the reason is, I know you know this, but let me just by way of reminder real quick. Pharaohs were taught what? They were taught that they were a deity. Pharaohs from birth were taught that they were a god of some sorts. So it's no wonder, it doesn't surprise us then, that Pharaoh, who, who God put it in his mind that Moses was a type of god, right? So it's no wonder, it doesn't surprise us that here is Pharaoh sitting up on his throne in all of his grandeur. He's got his concubines, his, his uh, servants. He has all these royal robes. He's got gold around his neck. It's a just beautiful, beautiful type of, of sin that the enemy tries to come and offer you all of this beauty to the things of the world. And here it comes, Moses and Aaron in their sandals with dust all over them, with their robes all over them, and... You know, Pharaoh's sitting up here wondering, who are these two guys? Who do they think that I am anyway? I am Pharaoh, and they are nothing. So he issues the challenges to them. Okay, from his throne, if you think that you're a god, if you think that you're more powerful than I am, and this is what Satan tells us today. It's a trick he used in the, New, in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve, basically. Tricked them. 
And so he said, well, if you're really somebody and you're really a God, then prove it. So he throws, out, he throws down the gauntlet. Step over this line. Prove to me how strong you are. Prove to me how, how powerful your God is. Well, the first trick out of the box was what? Aaron comes along and takes his rod. Remember, we're studying the word rod and branch, which are used interchangeably. You make a rod, by the way, out of a branch. Without the branch, you can't have the rod. But a rod is stronger than the branch because it's carved in such a way. It's created in such a way to be stronger. So Aaron throws down his rod, and it becomes a serpent. Well, not, not a surprise because the Egyptians back then worshipped snakes in some way. They would carve them and put them up on posts and poles and that gets in, into the Exodus and all those kinds of things for another time. So along comes their magicians, their saucers. Now, they did it by the power of God. We know that the enemy does it, what, by the power of Satan. So it's about the counterfeit miracles. We'll call them miracles, but the counterfeit events that we see in the Old Testament. But don't we see that in the New Testament? Of course we do. What about Simon? What about all the magicians that were in the New Testament that got rebuked by Peter and by Paul? They could do things too, but it wasn't by the power of God, or God wouldn't have rebuked them through the hands of Paul. So when we see then, what happens next? So now, wouldn't you like to have been at this party? A bunch of snakes crawling around the ground. Not me. I don't like snakes. Anybody like snakes in here? We all pray for you at the altar call afterwards. So here's a bunch of snakes crawling around, but what happened? You said it with me, Aaron's rod, what, swallowed up all their rods. You ever see those little hideous little, I, I can't stand to watch some of these animal things because I don't like animals eating on each other and all this kind of stuff, but you ever see the giant python, he swallows something twice as big as himself? Well, that's really the picture you have here. You have the power of the rod in the hands of the priest that got thrown down and turned into something, listen to me now, that it would not have ordinarily turned into. It turned into a serpent. So the magicians come along, they throw down their rods, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rod. The word rod here is connected to the word branch. And the Hebrew word here is matek, M A hyphen. T-E-C-H or M-A-T hyphen uh, T-E-H. It's spelled two different ways here. The word rod and branch here literally means in Hebrew, name, we're looking at the names again, the significance and the power associated with these names. So Aaron's name means what? Light bearer giver. Moses' name means what? One who rescues. The rod here that swallowed up all the other rods is the word for branch. It's the root word branch, but it literally means one who was from a priestly or royal connection. So the word rod here means kingly descendants. It means nothing to do with, with wood. It has nothing to do with a tree. Isn't it interesting in Hebrew to the Old Testament writers, especially to the prophets, that they could take a Hebrew word and totally can turn it around, and it still mean exactly what it was mean to meant, but in a word in a way in which we never noticed before. So we see here the word rod now is first connected in the Old Testament 
to the word branch, which connected to Jesus, who is the one who is of royal descendant and who is the servant or the branch. Let me prove it to you. Zechariah 3 and 8. God is speaking to Joshua, and watch what he calls him. He calls him a priest. He says, oh, Joshua, priest of God, behold, he's about to tell the priest of God what he's about to do. God is still talking to the priest in the kingdom of God in the New Testament believers in the church today. He's giving them dreams and visions, and he's speaking to people who are able to listen, have ears to hear and eyes to see, whose hearts are open, whose spirits are receptive to God about what he's about to do on the earth in the church and in America. I believe that with all Mark. Can I get a little amen? So here is Joshua, high priest of God. Behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch, capital B, to remove the iniquity of my people. We're talking about eternally knowing God, all-sufficient God who knows everything about us, who is about to come on the scene and help the children of Israel move forward out of their sins. And that same branch, that same rod is still doing the same thing today. Isaiah 11 and 1, there shall come forth a rod, capital R, from the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. He shall strike the earth, when meaning his enemies, with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips for the helping of his people. Isaiah 11 and 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, branch out of, out of the roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. So here we see a picture or a type, if you would, of the New Testament church, if you would people who are rescuers, people who are light bearers, people who go to people in missions, teen challenge or missionaries overseas, missions right here at home. Everybody in here in some way is called to be an evangelist. Everybody in here is called to be a missionary in your own way. It may not be in Zimbabwe. It may not be in Russia. It may not be in China. It may not be down in Mexico. It may not be in uh, whatever or wherever. But in some way or another, you're called to represent the rod and the branch because you're called into the priestly servanthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Going to get an amen. amen. So we you see here then is God connecting through his son. Now listen carefully. This is the first place I see this in the Old Testament in just this way. God brings someone who, who rescues, one, someone who pulls out of darkness and you see, God is shining the light on the world, and Jesus was sent on the cross, and once he was resurrected from the dead on the third day, he then goes forth as the bearer of light and one who rescues at the same time. Jesus is the only one that can do that. He, can, he is all things to all men. So we see God wanting to partner with two people. Listen, God will partner with you if you will be... Be, become or allow yourself to become available with him, then you partner like Moses and Aaron did as someone who goes along with the one, Christ, the Son of the living God, who can rescue and deliver people. There's something else here that's interesting. There's two thoughts here. When God went to Joshua and Moses in two different ways, and they teamed up with Jesus in the Old Testament. When God sent Moses to deliver the nation of Israel, 
he speaks to Moses at one time in a similar way and later on to Joshua in another way. But he wants to rescue and deliver his people. But what does he want to rescue and his, deliver and his people out of? Well, they're in bondage. They're making bricks. They've got to get their own straw. There's not enough straw. There's not enough time. And Pharaoh loads it on them. He just loads it on them. I mean, he is a tyrant. He is an antichrist. He's an evil guy, and he's wanting to bring burdens upon the people, the nation of, uh, of Israel. And he's still doing the same thing today. He's wanting you to work with not enough straw, not enough money, not enough time, not enough energy, not enough faith, not enough perseverance, not enough hope. He's wanting you to make all these bricks for God. You can go do that. Go ahead. I'll let you go to church. But you just be forewarned. You get there, you're not going to be able to understand it. You're not going to be the ones that gets free. You're not going to be the one that's healed. You're not going to be the one that's delivered. But that is simply the same type of lying system that he's always used. Can I get an amen? So God wanted to deliver the nation of Israel, but out of what? Well, out of slavery. Well, what kind of slavery? He couldn't have picked a better message this morning and points this morning for my message to represent it. He said, you can look at money in two different ways. You can look at giving in two different ways. And you can look at deliverance in two different ways. There is a natural deliverance that God uses in some way. In other words, doctors, regular medical doctors, where he uses regular medicine. And there's the supernatural means that God uses to heal somebody during a church service. Being delivered out of bondage is both natural and spiritual. Let me just take the spiritual side. So the nation of Israel, I'm going to use these two ladies as the nation of Israel, were in bondage to slavery to Pharaoh. So they had to do all this work with no benefits. That's one of the great tricks that Satan has. You serve me, I'll give you all this. But listen, friends, it's a work, 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 and no grace situation. So God wanted to deliver them, but deliver them out of what? It's a mentality. It's a spiritual mentality that they're talking about in the Old Testament, not a natural concept. So grasp this in the mind and in your heart and in your soul and your spirit first. A mentality out of the slavery first of suffocation. You see, that's what slavery did. When, after the wars, it was civil war. When the blacks were enslaved, that's what slavery was all about. It, slavery is a mentality, a spiritual and natural mentality of suffocation. If I'm enslaved by a slave owner, in this case Pharaoh, in this case today of the Antichrist, in this case today the carnal man, in this case today the, the flesh man or, or the enemy, then I am, I am suffocating. God never intended for Israel or for you or I to be spiritually suffocated. We fly a lot. We're on these airplanes a lot. And you know, you've flown. Most of you have flown. And, uh, you know, the, uh, I just love the flight attendant comes out and she says, well, should the oxygen pressure, oh, thank you very much. Can't wait for that to happen. That sounds exciting, right? You see them on, you know, on the movies and all those oxygen masks, you know, and everybody's calm, of course. If it happened to you, you would be Praying in the Holy Ghost, and you'd be praying, oh, Lord, not to worry. You'd be witnessing to the neighbor, and the plane's going up and down about the crash. There's no oxygen. You can't breathe. You just, oh, no. Oh, neighbor, no. Take mine, please. Right? Well, that doesn't happen in real life most of the time, does it? 
And that's true with the enemy. So it is a, they, God wanted to deliver them out of a spirit of suffocation. Listen to me, and I'll move on. If you're in bondage to sin of some kind, you are spiritually suffocating. It sucks the oxygen, the spirit of God, out of the, out, not out of the flesh man, the carnal man, but out of the spirit man. Are you with me so far? Next, it was a mentality of slavery. There is, there is a mentality of slavery. Well, I'm sick. I'm just always going to be sick. That's a mental picture. You, you have a, you're allowing the mental to overcome the power of the spiritual. Are you with me? Amen. And God, God is the reverse of that. They that, you know, if you want to live, you got to die. God's all the reverse. His English, his grammar as my good friend Dr. Mark Rutland often says, it's topsy-turvy to how I understand the English language. you got to give to get. That doesn't make sense to me. Amen? But that's God's kingdom living. And next, it was a mentality of death. Because if you're in slavery to doubt, if you're in slavery to the mentality of death, if you're in slavery to, um, gosh, just all kinds of things that we could think of, if you're in slavery to do it, you can't breathe well spiritually. You're going to suffocate ultimately spiritually. And then it's a mentality that gets in your mind. I'm just always going to be this way. But again, we know that that simply is not the case in the kingdom of God. I'm hurrying as quickly as I can. Isaiah 4 and 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and his fruit what does the New Testament say? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, understanding, long-suffering, depending on what translation you use. In Isaiah, Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets ever lived in the Old Testament, major prophets said this. In that day, what day? Every day. Any day. This is the day the Lord has made. We sing that song, this is the day. Well, Isaiah said, in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. Did that stop in the Old Testament? The branch of the Lord is still beautiful and still glorious. Can I get an amen? And his fruit shall be excellent for those who have escaped. We're talking about in Hebrew here, the choice blessings of God. Anybody ever, I don't eat pickles, but I understand there's dill and sweet pickles. Is that true? Or, you know, uh, different foods you can eat. Boy, that was bitter. It needs sweetening or it needs salt or it needs sugar, right? You don't want a spiritual diet that is bitter to your taste. That, and it becomes bitter when you don't believe in the Word, that you don't trust in the Word, and you have to be able to be totally dependent upon God and trust God. First Samuel 14 and 27, we see it again. Jonathan is coming back from battle, and he dips the staff, or his rod in a honeycomb, and when he does, the Bible says two things. His eyes, what? Do anybody remember? His eyes became bright, and his face was enlightened. Now, that's a word you don't say, oh, good morning. You, you greet somebody in church and say, oh, it's so good to see you. Your face looked so enlightened this morning. Well, what is it talking about? Anybody think of anything in the New Testament? What about Moses? He came down off the mountain, and his, and his face was shining so much that they had to put a veil on his face. What in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit fell in the book of Acts in the upper room? Don't you think, you think they was, that was bitter? 
You think that they were up there sour? You think they were complaining or murmuring or whatever? You know, when you get filled with the Spirit of God, that does away with all that. that the filling filled with the Spirit does away with bitterness. It does away with animosity. When I'm filled with the Holy Ghost of the living God and it's alive and active inside of me, I'm that little energizer bunny rabbit going around. Amen? Can you get an amen? Second Kings 4 and 16, Elijah prophesies to, to the woman that she's going to bear a boy. She's going to bear a son. And uh, you remember what she said? Oh, man of God, don't, don't jest with me. Don't, don't kid me here. This time next year, you're going you're to have a boy. She has the child, remember? But the child is now, we think, between 10, 12, 13. I don't remember exactly. Maybe you do. But he's a young lad. And they're out in the field. It's the, it's the harvest time. He's out in the field. Near his mother, you don't hear anything about the dad in this picture, but the boy's out there with the field, and he falls over, and he dies. And so the mother says to her servants, take the boy and take him to the upper room where the prophet lived and lay him on the prophet's bed. I know you remember that story. And so the prophet is coming back to town to visit the woman, the boy and the father and the minister. And so they're in the field, and the woman now tells her servant, get on the donkey, don't slack that donkey. I mean, get that dude going, right? And they're going through the field, and all of a sudden they see the servant of the woman, who they recognize, coming. And so they go to meet the servant, and they say, hey, is all well. And the servant says to them, to Elijah and to Gehazi, no, the boy has died. And what did the prophet say? And the Lord has what? But Ricky on the spot. And the Lord has hidden this from me. There are things that God may not tell you because he has a higher purpose and a teaching lesson in it for later on when he reveals something to you that you didn't know was coming. We'd all like to know exactly what's coming down the road, wouldn't we? Wouldn't that be nice? But that isn't always how God does it. So, the prophet of God hands the rod to Gehazi. I'm looking for a rod. Nice guitar. I appreciate you giving that to me. So, Gehazi, I'm going to make you the bad guy. I apologize. Come here, brother. Yes, sir. You. He's reluctant. So, the prophet hands the rod to Gehazi, and he says, don't slack. I mean, get them Nikes going. Run to the upper room, put yourself on top of that boy, and go for it. Gehazi runs around with the rod. Nope. I can let you go that easy, brother. <laughs> Payback time, man. So he goes to the upper room, does exactly what the man of God said to do, and nothing happens. Now, surely that's never happened before. 
do what the pastor says, do what the word says, and it doesn't work out. But in this case, thank you. In this case, the why of it that didn't happen is connected to the who of why it didn't happen. Because the rod, Christ living, and the gifts operating in the life of a backslidden believer gets zero results. Study the life of Gehazi. He was a thief and, and was a not a truthful person. After the prophet was in one town, helped a guy out, saw miraculous healing, the guy offered the prophet money, and he says, not a dime. Thank you very much. I'm not for sale. But after they get out of town a little bit, the prophet's asleep. Gehazi runs back to town and says, oh, by the way, my, my boss, the prophet, has changed his mind. He'll take just a little bit of your money. Gehazi takes the money, gets back in the camp, and the prophet of God says, hey, where have you been? Oh, you know, uh, well, I saw you when you were taking that money. That's the same guy that lied and stole and cheated God and cheated the man of God that now I'm sure in some way he would have loved to be at the top of the newscast on CNN, BNN, RNN, and TNN. I'm sure he would have liked to have been on TBN. Or Daystar. I was the guy that laid on that guy, and a miracle happened, but nothing did happen. In order for the rod, the branch, the servant of God, you have to be connected, deeply connected to the source. So we know that the rod and the branch is Jesus. So you have to be connected in some way. You have to be a light giver. You have to be one that rescues. That was not the intent of Gehazi. I close with this, this thought. The rod is believed to a large degree to originated from a branch in the Garden of Eden. There's, there's, there's a substantial amount of proof to this. Uh, I'm not extra-biblical teaching here. I'll just give you some, just Hebrew was my, some of my undergraduate work. It, it is believed by most Jewish scholars, or many Jewish scholars, not most, never say the word most, but many Jewish scholars that the rod originated from the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Don't go teaching. I'm not teaching this as fact. You understand what I'm saying? So it originated, if the story is true that I read and all the Jewish history books I read, it originated, and so it was carried out of the Garden of Eden. Is the only thing that Jewish history says to a degree that they were allowed to take out of the Garden of Eden. You see it ultimately in the hands of Aaron. And you see it in the Old Testament that the rod was budding. 
If you remember reading that, if you don't, it says that in the Bible. That when it was placed in the places where God put it, in the Ark of the Covenant, it would bud. The budding is about the compassion, the blossoming of God, of Christ Jesus, the aroma of God. And they were white, which stand for purity. So you can trace the rod in the Bible and Jewish history down through time from the beginning. Let me read this statement for you. This, I want to go back to the snakes here, and we're done. <laughs> in with snakes, right? Okay, sorry. Egyptians have long used the snake in their religious and ceremonial rituals, dating back to Moses and Aaron. Many murals, ancient Egyptian paintings and carvings and written text. Egyptian, as you know, was one of the oldest languages in the world. Portray this animal connection with ancient snake charmers, magicians, and pharaohs, and the deities. In fact, many of the golden burial casts used in the to encase ancient Egyptian kings had a sculpture of a snake over the top of their head. Many of the golden burial casts used to, for the kings, there were sculptures either over the top of the head or the pharaohs wore a golden headpiece that had a snake, a serpent, a viper, poisonous, over the top of their forehead. And to them, that stood for regal or royal status. If you didn't have that crest, that carving on your crown back then, then you were not believed to be of royal lineage. Now, this is important. I'll close with this thought. So ancient Egyptian kings always had a sculpture of a snake on the forehead for regal notoriety. You recognize them. It's like you carrying around a Bible or a cross, okay? Furthermore, the snake is commonly associated with certain gods of ancient Egypt. In regard to their affirmity for the serpentine, the ancient Egyptians often used snakes in charming ceremonies and other practices. Now, is it interesting to anybody but me <laughs> that the enemy uses it in churches today that believe that you can handle rattlesnakes in the church service and not come to harm? Thousands have been bit, by the way, in that sect, that occult, and died from that rattlesnake, but they keep on passing around. So isn't it interesting that over in the New Testament, back to the New Testament, that God said of his son, he's going to step on the head of the serpent, Satan. There's going to be a bruising. There's going to be a crushing. But that that enemy would come after Jesus. And all through the Old Testament and New Testament, especially the Old Testament writing, you see that that serpent, Satan, the Antichrist, is coming after out of the woods. He's out, out, of, out of the darkness, if you would, out of the busy places of life, through money, through sorcery, through, through all kinds of witchcraft, through occult, care card reading, science of the mind, new age theology, all that stuff. He's, he's back again in a different form, disguises himself as an angel of light. That's the reason it says in the New Testament that 
even if you hear that there's a Jesus out there, and if you don't know it's Jesus for sure, then don't go out there. Because there's always been counterfeits, and here the enemy is back again with a vengeance, wanting to take the body of Christ down. How's he doing that? Back again? Stay with me. I know this. Uh, I'm over time, but let me finish this. He's wanting to suffocate you. He's wanting to suffocate your faith. He's wanting to suffocate you with doubt. He's wanting to suffocate you with despair. We're looking at the news, and the news isn't good news. We're looking whatever you, Fox News, NNBC, or whatever news you're listening to. Today, and from this moment on, there's only one source for the real news to where you'll know what's going on, that you won't have doubt, that it will build your faith, it'll build your hope, it'll build your confidence because the rod, the branch, the son of the living God is from Genesis to Revelation and he is still revealing himself to the body of Christ. You are not called to be the tail, but you're called to be the head. You're called to not be the end of things, but the beginning of things. You're called as the body and the bride of Christ, redeemed out of sin, redeemed out of darkness, and Jesus sent. Or the Father sent His only begotten Son, that who should ever believe in Him? Why and how? Because Jesus is the true Son of the living God that rescues you, that sheds light on your situation, that will shed light in your darkness, light in your tunnel, and bring you hope and resurrect you out of that problem, that difficulty, out of that spirit of suffocation, out of that spirit of doubt, out of that spirit the enemy is raising up his head, we don't worship snakes. We worship the one that can kill the snakes and swallow up the snake and swallow up the problem. Matet, it comes to an end because Jesus is the beginning and the end of all things. And what he does, no man can stop. And when God makes a decision to work a miracle in your life, the enemy and all the enemies and all the snakes and all the creepy crawly things in the world that are demons and demonic oriented cannot come against Jesus, the Son of God. He and he alone. He and he alone, he and he alone, and no other one. Muhammad, Confucius, nobody can do it. Islam can't do it. Their leaders are dead, buried in the grave, and I dare say where they are. But Jesus, the Son of God, is alive and has control and the destiny and the power and the complete authority from the east is from the west to take care of your problem and your difficulty. Can I get an amen? amen. It is so true. Well, a little different. And I hope you enjoyed just a little bit of um, a little bit of this. Now I'm going to do something. I know it's 15 after, but I'm going to do something very quickly. And I have not told my wife this. And the first thing you learn in Bible school is don't ask your wife to do something you don't warn her about first. Amen. But I have felt I didn't feel like I was supposed to tell her beforehand. I'm going to put her on the spot here, but I want her to come up. I have felt this now. Uh, during the service all morning. Come on up. And Brother Ricky and Sister Ricky, come up, and if you would, sir, grab that bottle of oil. And um, I don't want all the worship leaders. All I want is somebody just to play the piano. If you would, please. We're not going to sing, but we're going to stand together. Amen. Now, if you would, just... Open that up and just put a little bun on my wife's thumb there, and you're going to be 
Aaron and Moses. I've never done this before, but I feel the leading of the Lord to do this. And so I want one of you on both sides of her. Mm -hmm. Amen. There you go. All right. Come stand over here, if you would. There's a reason for my madness. Pastor, come, come, sir. Come over here. And sister, Joni, right there. We're going to do something I've never done before, and I just feel it's God. You know, you put yourself on the spot, and you put the pastor on the spot, but you can't put God on the spot. But if you are having a difficult time right now in your life, no matter what it is, but specifically, I wish I had the words to articulate this better. But if you feel yourself sort of suffering, or not suffering, but suffocating because of some sickness or finances or mental anguish or something in your heart, something in your marriage, something in your single life that isn't going well. I mean, listen, from the smallest of things to the biggest of things. And especially if you're not doing well physically or emotionally. Now, that should be about 98% of us, if we're honest. It really, if we're honest. I want you to form a line right here. This is the way we used to do it years ago. I want you to form a line. Come on, everybody step out in the aisle that needs prayer. Come on. Step right out in the aisle. Step, come on, come on, a little bit further. Come on, I want you to form a line. Just keep, I want a single file all the way around as long as it gets, that's okay. If you need prayer, I want you to get in this line. Now, if you want prayer and your her parents, then you don't need to get way back there or whatever. But somebody else, if you need prayer for something, I want you to get in this line. Come on. And what we're doing is this. The last person is in charge of praying for this person. This person is praying for this person. This person is praying. So you're going to put your hand right up there. You're going to pray for him. He's praying for her. She's praying for him. He's praying for her. And so forth and so on. Are you with me? Now, come on. This is a spiritual thing. Amen? Come right on up here. Now, there seems to be about somebody else. Now, I want to save her for last. I want to save you for last. And there's a reason for that. So just stay right there, okay? Anybody else needs to be in this prayer line? Now, we're not going to pray a long period of time, but I'm going to tell you something, and I don't want to embarrass my wife at all. But over the last six months, I've noticed something with Anoush. In particular, my own life, but others as well. There's been a special touch on Anoush during times of prayer. And it can be a headache or a stomachache or whatever or a difficult thought or a suffocation in some way, a slavery of some kind. And I have felt recently and noticed recently, I've never talked to her about this, but I've been waiting for this to happen. And I apologize for putting you on the spot. We're going to believe that the rod, the branch of Jesse, Jesus, the Son of God, is operating in all of our lives. So we're surrounded with a spiritual Aaron, 
shining light, showing light, giving light. And we have Moses over here who's helping the rescue. And we're going to believe that between us and God and the Lord this morning, that God is going to do work. So just one at a time, just come up, and Anusha's going to pray just a, a five-second prayer. It doesn't have to be long. We don't have to pray 10 minutes for God to do a work, do we? It, I mean, that can happen. Sometimes we need that. So you guys back here, all the way back now, hands have to be on the person in front of you, and now you're praying. So all the Moseses and Aaron's over here, need to be praying for these people. The folks that are left over here, you guys need to be praying. And I want you up here too. Come on up here, young man. You're not going to get away that easy. Come on up here. Amen? You're going to, no, sir, you're going to stand right there. Amen? We're going to fit you in this. Now, when his hands get weary, you're going to walk over there and hold his hands up. Right? Same way here. You're going to be the faith equation. You're going to be the prayer of faith equation with all these people right here. That's your assignment. Don't let me down. I want to smack you, okay? All right. Amen. Well, come on. Let's pray. Amen. Thank you, God. Come on, let's pray. Let's believe God. Come on, trust God. Trust Him for a miracle in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Yes, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. When you're done, just believe God. You walk out of this, you believe God. You trust God. It's not Anush, it's God. It's not Anush, it's not us, it's the Lord. It's the branch. It's the rod of Jesse. Yes, God. Thank you, 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 Lord. Keep praying. Come on. You guys keep praying. You're praying. We're believing God. Come on, we're part of rescuing. We're part of sharing light and giving light to people that have need of Christ this morning. We're believing for the supernatural power of God. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for it, God. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Healing in Jesus' name. A strong deliverance in the name of Jesus. From the child in here. To the oldest, God. For the babies, the infants, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Satan, we bind you and rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We're believing God. We're trusting God. are agreeing together, God, for a supernatural divine intervention, God, divine touch, God, divine favor, God, divine healing, God, divine God, just your wisdom, God, in every of our lives, God. Thank you, Lord God. Just bless my friend, God. Bless my sister. Thank you. Yes, God. Come on. Amen. 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 Come on. Believe God. This is the change we've been waiting for. This is the miracle we've been praying for. We trust you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, from the top, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 
she stands there to, to lead praise and worship God. God, let lives get changed, healed, God, filled with the Holy Ghost, God. Thank you, Lord God. Yes, thank God, thank God, thank God. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, touch him, God. Come on, pray, folks, come on. Believe God. Come on, pray. Let me hear you pray. Come on, we're in church. We can pray. Nobody here to stop us. Nobody here to arrest us. No more suffocation. No more slavery. Thank you, God. Free, free, free at last. Hallelujah, we're free at last. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Mighty God. Hallelujah. Complete authority in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. A full work, God. Complete work, God. Every vein, every artery, every part of his muscle and being, whole and well and strong in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Father. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus' mighty name. Thank you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We believe you, God. We trust you for a miracle, God. The great I am, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Thank you, God. We agree in Jesus' name. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Touching through and through. Mind, body, soul, and spirit. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We don't look back. We don't look back. We're not going to go back to slavery. We're moving forward. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have in Christ. For the liberty, for the power in God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Yes, God. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Every family member, God, under the blood. Every family member washed under the blood, born again, serving you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're strong in our lives, God. Be strong in his life, God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're not the locomotive, but you're not the caboose either. God is moving you forward, and you know this to be true, that God has been speaking to you, dealing with your heart, dealing with your mind, your life, to move you from the back up closer to the front, to move you from where you think maybe you deserve to a place that you don't deserve. It's all about grace, man. It's about the grace of God operating in your life and wanting you to go deeper and have a fuller and richer experience with the kingdom of God. You could be a giant killer if you decide to be one. God won't make you one, but God is enlisting you in the army of God to become a warrior for God. So I just pray, God, that God throws down the gauntlet this morning in your life that you accept the call of God in your life to be more than you are 
and just see you being moved up, moved forward, moved forward, moving forward, moving forward by the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. He looks heavy. Jesus' mighty name. Miracle power of God to flow through his body. The bomb of Gilead in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah for the healer, God. Thank you for the mercy of goodness of God. Raise him up, God, and make him strong, Lord. Raise him up. Raise him up, Lord. Raise him up, God. Raise him up, God. Lift him up, Lord, above anything, any decay on this earth. Issues, problems on this earth, lift him up. Bring him up on the mountain of God, the mountain of God. Higher, God. A miracle, a miracle, a miracle walk, a miracle life. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hi, ladies. Come on up. Father God, we bring before you these precious children, God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for your touch upon their life. And God, we just ask that during this week that this will be the most amazing, most powerful week of their life, Lord, that they will come back different than they left in Jesus' name, that they will be changed from the inside out, that they will have experiences with the power and the fire of God like they've never had before, that literally it will go through their families, God, that each family would be affected by the power of God that flows through them, that their campuses would change, God, that you would even touch their neighborhoods, God. God, and we pray for Nathan and Emily as they go and as they lead these students, God, that you will just pour out your spirit in a powerful, precious way upon their lives, God, as they minister to these children. We pray for protection. We pray for peace. We pray for your power in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord. Bless you guys at camp. We're going to pray for her. How, how, how about you guys just here right here help us pray? Come on, guys. Amen. God, we just praise you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the God that he led us, God. I thank you, the doctor of the doctors, God. I thank you, God. Not no temptation has seized that that's not common to man, but you are faithful, God. Thank you that you have been faithful through many years, God, in the name of Jesus, God. I just pray in the name of Jesus, you will touch my sister in the Lord, God. Touch from the top of the head to the bottom of her feet, God. Thank you, Lord, every organ, God, every cell in the body, every, every muscle, God, in the name of Jesus, God. Just touch my sister in the Lord, God. I know she has been serving you faithfully for many years, God. They have been shining, God, she and her husband, God, touching many lives, God, through the years, Lord, God. And God, in the name of Jesus, our eyes are upon you, God. Our help comes from you, God. Our healing comes from you, God. Your hope, you're the lifter of our head, God. Thank you, Lord, that you never fail, God. And you are the same, God. Your word is the same, God. Your power is the same, God. Thank you, Lord, God, that you are the source, God. I thank you and I praise you. I honor you and glorify your name. God, thank you, Jesus, God. We praise you. We honor you, God.
God. Strengthen my sister, God. Encourage her, lift her up, God. Let her know you have not forgotten her, God. Let her know you have heard every, every God prayer, every tear you have seen, God. Thank you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth, the strong Son of God, we thank you, Lord. You're always wanting and willing to do a miracle. You're a miracle giver. God, this man's been a light giver. He's been a rescuer, Lord. So we pay that God, Jesus, that rod, that branch of the Lord, God, whose authority never ends, God, worldwide, around the world, speaks every language knows everything of the heart, God. Lord, you know what's going on in his heart, in his mind, his spirit, his being, and in his physical body. Thank you for transcending time. Thank you, Lord, that you have all authority over all sickness and disease. Thank you, Lord, for Psalms 103.3. You heal all of our diseases and all of our infirmities, Lord. You give strength to the weak, God. Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Make him supernaturally strong with the strength of Almighty God. Oh, God, in his faith, perseverance and hope and the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' holy, holy, precious name, amen and amen, amen and amen. forgotten him, God. I thank you, God, that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, God. We know that one person can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, God. We are agreeing together, God, binding our faith together, God. We are reaching to you, God. I thank you, Lord, God. You are the light giver, God. You are the healer, God. You are the one that God give us strength, God, in the name of Jesus. Touch my brother, God. Touch, yes, Lord, every muscle, every organ, God, every cell, God, in the name of Jesus, God. Every blood flow, God, let it flow, God. Let your blood get mixed with his blood, God, and just flow through his whole body, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Just uh, strengthen my, my brother in the Lord, God. We praise you, we honor you, and we glorify your name, God. We are expecting you, God. We are putting our hope and trust in you. You are the God that delivered us, God. Bless my brother, God. Bless his coming in and going, God. Surround him with, his, with your favor, God. Let his steps be ordered by you, Lord God. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Now I want you to do one more thing. I want you to stretch your hands out to Alan and Anush right now. God, we pray for this precious couple in the mighty name of Jesus. God, even as they have deposited into us the word of God, the calling of God, the prophecies, God, God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would just pour it back on them in Jesus' name. God, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ask, think, or imagine in this new season of their lives, God. We pray for your power to be poured out upon them, God, that there to be a fresh anointing in Jesus' name. God, that you touch their bodies, you touch them in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, God, for that in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. I, I feel so compelled. I just, I can't get away from this. When, 
when Dr. Allen comes, he comes at, and, and he just says, just come. And when Anusha's comes, she just says, just come. And they, they come and they do come for whatever offering we give. But I, I always know that I want to give a minimum to support teachers. How many of you know that teachers are one of the fivefold gifts? Amen. And uh, Dr. Allen just flows so well in that teacher anointing and teacher gifting. So I want to bring him back year after year. And then Anush just flows in that prophetic anointing. She's a prophet of God. But uh, I want us to do something. I wasn't going to receive an offering. We were just going to give them an offering. But, but I'm, I know what the minimum is I'm going to give. And I want to add to that. So today, today I just feel like the Lord wants, and, and Alan and Anush, I just believe that the Lord just wants to kiss you today. I don't know. He just wants to kiss you today. From this little church, I, we just love you and bless you. And so if I can get a couple of ushers real quick to come, or you can give online. There's a drop down there that just shows um, a guest speaker, guest uh, ministry. Would you just give your best today? And can we just bless? The Bible is very clear that when a teacher or when a pastor or when a prophet comes in and blesses you, that one of the number one ways we can bless them back is through our finances. So I want us to do that right now. So uh, do I have a couple of ushers? Uh, I know a couple of them had to leave. So, yeah, thank you, Paxton, if you could jump up. And Nate, if you could jump up. Oh, thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that. You can just make it out to New Day Church as normal or cash, and this will go directly to them. This will be a separate offering for them on top of what New Day Church is already going to do. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessing, for your favor, and even, even this spontaneous offering. God, I believe that you're speaking to New Day Church again, and you're speaking to us to not... to to not just sit idly by and just just receive. But God, you want us to be active in even our receiving. You want us to be active in, in watching the miracle come about. Lord, and I thank you for this word that has been given today, and I thank you for the prayers that have been prayed and for your presence in this place. Now, God, I pray that you would bless Dr. Allen and Nush abundantly above all they could ask or think or imagine. And God, for every, every giver, Lord, I pray that you would return it God, I'm asking for this. I don't normally ask for this, but God, I'm asking for you to return it to them quickly, God, so they know that what they gave today was as a direct result of their obedience to you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen. Come on up, uh, Chuck and and, uh, Paxton, and receive that offering. And uh, that's all I've got today. Thank you so much. God bless you, and uh, we will see you on Wednesday night. God bless you.